All right, we are live, everybody. Welcome to the Fantasy Odds Cast. As always, I have the pleasure of being with my co-host. You can follow him on Twitter, AJ Desai4. You can follow myself on Twitter, Jake Perry34. This week we have a special guest, maybe the uh, the quickest growing fantasy account that I've seen in the, in the past month or so. I know when I followed him, he was only at about 100 followers. The man just passed 600, it seems like, just the other day. Um, but uh, no further ado, let's introduce him. Jake, go ahead and introduce yourself to the guests. Hey, first off, thanks for having me, fellas. Um, yeah, I started this account because I love talking dynasty football. I got tired of annoying my friends who don't give a shit about it. And um, really, I wanted to like jump into the analytical side of it, and I thought I could figure that out, and I think I've done a good job. And um, and yeah, it's been blowing up, so it's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, so I appreciate you guys inviting me on, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, of course, man. So uh, the, the main reason that uh, AJ and I wanted to invite you on is you've been putting out these phenomenal rankings lists, and just from a couple conversations that I've had with you, you have a very deep um, you know, analytics background and you, you know what you're looking at and you know what you're looking for in these rankings. And I personally, I do like a lot of the analytics stuff, but I do a lot of mo more focus on the film side of things as well. So I kind of wanted to hear about your process a little bit and kind of what got you started in, you know, being super analytical and how you decided to apply that to Dynasty. Yeah. So it's funny you say all that. Um, so let me give you a little bit of background. So my undergraduate degree had nothing to do with uh, stats or business or anything like that. Um, it was an integrated strategic communications. I uh, went to the University of Kentucky. Uh, realized that wasn't going to get me too far, so I jumped in and got a master's in business administration. Um, and that's where I started to learn about um, some advanced different types of uh, statistical analysis, and that's where I learned about regression. Uh, didn't think I'd ever use it. Don't use it for work at all, so that's really funny. Um, I use it uh, so much for for this and so i don't even know where to start man it's a super so a lot of, i see a lot of guys when they do analytics um they kind of like you'll see where they like measure different stats and they say how many times does this stat hit right mm -hmm. and so they're counting that by hand when regression analysis does all of that for you it says okay looks at all the so all the different stats or attributes that you enter and so I had to, the hard part was building the database. So, right. So I did it for quarterbacks. I did it for running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. And so I go in, I look at 40 times uh, yards per catch, yards per attempt, literally everything. And I say, of these, does any of them correlate to more fantasy points? Right. So that's what I call right. fantasy success. And I found um, <laughs> a lot of these do, and it's been really cool. So that's where my, like, I guess the database forms these formulas for me. I enter the numbers of these rookies and it computes who's going to do what. And so a lot of people, you know, they, they've, they've tried to argue with this stuff. I'm like, guys, like this isn't bias. This isn't subjective. There's nothing. It's literally computing historical data and applying it to rookies. Right. So, you know, whether you agree or disagree, and a lot of it I disagree with, but the idea is to try and build these models that mimic the film that you're watching. So I do throw like – for, before I ever did anything, I went in and looked at the film. So I'm going to like stop rambling now. But that's kind of the the process that I've used. Yeah, it sounds like you, you've you obviously put a ton of work into it. And uh, AJ knows that, uh, you know, I get pretty into my rankings as well. Um, we did all the rankings for current players. We haven't really gotten to a lot of the rookie stuff yet. This is right. kind of, you know, our first. This is my, again, just like you, this is my first real forte into creating content, specifically Dynasty Focus. I've always been... When I've tweeted stuff in the past, it's mostly been redraft stuff. Like this year was really my first year getting into the dynasty side of things Damn, too, and really looking at rookies. And, you know, when you look at, so I pulled up your, your rookie rankings that you had, um, you had posted on your Twitter account um, and I'm comparing them to mine. And, you know, we have a lot of the same guys in the top 10. It's just, you know, your, your system, I believe that calculates like expected fantasy points, correct? Exactly. So, so it's not. I don't believe that's actually going to be true to it. So, and let me kind of explain that. So when I analyze guys, I'm not looking at guys who aren't touching the field. I don't care about them. You know, the guys who are getting drafted in the seventh round, you can't predict their success if they don't have the opportunity, right? right. So we're looking at guys who have had the opportunity. So for running backs, I looked at the top 50 running backs each year that accounts for guys who are getting injured, you know, so you have some, some second string guys stepping in running back by committee. I think the threshold was like, you had to score at least a hundred, right? So I did that for every category where I'm 
I have a threshold, and it's basically looking at only guys who get on the field. So that's kind of where um, that all started. I don't even know where I was going with that. I had something, but no, you're all good. But like, so so when we compare our rankings, like I said, you, we've got a few guys um, that are the same. I think the only guy that you ha- I'm looking here. I think the only guy that you have in your top ten that I don't have in mine is Diami. Um, oh, so you're talking you're talking wide receivers, okay? Yeah. So I pulled I just pulled up the wide receiver list first. We'll probably end up looking at the running back list here too. Okay. Um, but like, so you I know you said you moved Bateman down to two after uh, his pro day, just the height and weight stuff. Right. Dropped him a little bit. So you know we're we're in line on one and two there. I think that that's pretty much the consensus one and two for most people that are out there. Um, it's really after that that things start to get a little bit different for me. Like I know you have Marshall at three. I have him at six. Yep, that's that's normal. Most people are having him around six or seven. Yeah, that's I. So again, I think it's a you know, he probably hasn't gotten, in my opinion, quite the opportunity to shine as some of the other guys have. But I, you can see the potential on the tape, and that's that's the thing that I really try and look at too. Like, there's some guys that I have, you know, I rank them, you know, decently high, and a lot of people maybe even haven't really heard of them. Um, uh, like Smith Marset out of Iowa, like I, you watch his tape and he shows a lot of really good traits, a lot of things that look like they'll project really well to the NFL. He just maybe yep. hasn't gotten, you know, the same opportunity being that he's, you know, his quarterbacks have been not the best Very in the world. Right. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we look at the list and, it, and this goes to show, at least in the wide receiver side of things that people who are afraid of analytics, people who are on the analytics side and are afraid of film, a lot of the times, a lot of the stuff matches up. If you're like, if you really know what you're looking for, right. like I said, like our, our top tens are nearly identical. You have, um, you know, or at least in terms of like the players that are in there, like you have uh, Waddle at seven, you have Devonta at four. I have Waddle at eight, Devonta at seven. Um, I've got Tylen and Elijah Moore higher than you have, or no, I have Tylen just one spot higher than you. I have Elijah at five, but again, like, if you're picking in those top 10, like the, the one and two are very clear. And so in your rookie drafts, like if you're picking in that three through 10 range, a lot of the guys are going to be the same, whether you go with an analytics approach or right. film approach, right. it's about blending the two and really knowing what you're personally looking for in a team. So like I say, there's no subjectivity. Let me, let me take that back a little bit. So I do have a little bit of bias where I throw in um, a level of internal competition adjustment. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to LSU or, um, Alabama, where you know you're competing with absolute studs, you're going to get a little bit of – I do like a multiplier based on um, – give me a second here. Based on – like DOM rating would be a good mm-hmm. example. So your dominator rating is not going to be as high as those schools. Sorry, I read the message mm-hmm. here. Uh, yeah, so your dominator rating um, at those schools isn't going to be as high as it would at another school. So you kind of get some type of adjustment because you're competing against Jamar Chase or – for Terrace Marshall specifically. Mm. Um, but yeah, for the most part though, like top six are just, it seems that film other than Jalen Waddle. So Jalen Waddle is an exception here. If you look at his points, his points are, he's one of the middle of the pack guys. Mm-hmm. But when you watch the film, it's yeah. obvious he's an elite player. So that's mm-hmm. why you have to take some level of intuition and say, okay, come on now, we have to account for certain things or factors, injuries, whatever it may be, right? right. Um, yeah, you talked about – so my rankings actually changed just a little bit. I touched up um, a little bit of my formula, just just tiny bit. and But it's still pretty much the same. You have your like top six guys are like a tier of their own, right? Right. So that's really cool because it aligns exactly with um, – you know, just film. And so I had watched film on every single player before I did any of this. And I want right. to see if the data matched it. And for the most part, it does. Now, quarterbacks, definitely not at all. I get yeah. crazy. I don't even, I don't even want to go there. I've been struggling to figure that one out. Yeah. Quarter, I mean, quarterbacks are evaluating quarterbacks is the hardest thing to do in the NFL, them and kickers for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I think it just really goes to show, you know, and there has to be a level of that in film analysis as well, where you have to realize that like, you may not have a guy who has, I don't, I'm off the top of my head, like 500 receptions over right. four years of college. You may have a guy like that on your team. And then you may have a guy who is equally as talented, but because he's, you know, the, he's a little bit shorter or, you know, a hair slower, but when he gets the ball in the in his hands and gets open, he still does phenomenal things. Like that's, a, that's something that, as you're saying, you definitely have to consider like yeah. Waddle and Smith, they're neither one of them 
are going to put up the same numbers that, you know, a Bateman's going to put up in Minnesota being that he's one of the only like legit targets in the right, offense. Right. When you're share when you have that shared workload, obviously things, you know, get adjusted there. Um, one player that I have on my list, we ranked him in the exact same spot. And I'm happy to see him on your list too, because I've seen a lot of people, I don't want to say fading him, but I feel like he really isn't talked about. But Terry is a phenomenal yeah. receiver. You watch, you watch him on tape and like he is involved in every facet of the game. Like he's, in my opinion, one of the better blocking wide receivers, you know, in the, in the film, you can see him get engaged in the run blocking side of things. Like he can do everything that these other guys can do. Maybe he's a little bit slower. Maybe he's not as crisp coming out of his routes, but like I see no reason that a guy like him can't be, you know, a, a, a top receiver in the NFL, a top, you know, maybe not a wide receiver one, but there's no reason he can't be, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and still put up, you know, decent numbers. Yeah on a deeper roster, you see some of the guys that are in like high up in rankings, especially if you look at like the media rankings, seeing guys like Kadarius Tony as like wide receiver five, like it just doesn't oh, make sense. I'm so, so glad you brought those two up because those are my two, two of my favorite players to talk about in this draft. So I'm a big Titans fan. I don't know if you can see this, got Titans right there. We've got the Warren moon, right? Nice. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Terry fan and I keep seeing all these different, um, analysts or mock draft people predicting whatever receiver to the Titans. And I it couldn't, it's all, it almost feels like none of them are doing their homework. Right. Right. Because this guy who, okay. So let's think about the Titans in general, real quick. Derrick Henry, um, you got AJ Brown in a very physical offense. That's what the, it's, what it's all based upon. Right. And then you have this need Corey Davis leaves defense is trash. Right. So defense should be priority. Number one, maybe even the second round pick as well. But wide receiver has to be addressed. So who makes sense? You've got third round. And I think that's reasonable draft capital for Terry. Some people have him third, fourth. Yeah, it's about, and, it's about where I have him. And he's that physical player that, that the Titans want. They want guys that will block off the ball. He has shown every example of, of being able and capable of doing that, in addition to being the guy who can – it's an easy yet guy, you know, which is what they want. They have Smith, Corey Davis. All those guys are yards after catch. So Terry, in my eyes, is one of the best value picks in this draft, especially if he goes to the right team. If he goes to a team that needs, a, a you know, a wide receiver two or even a wide receiver one, I think he is so underrated. Look at his quarterback that he's dealing with. Look at look at the players around him. That mm-hmm. defense can key in on him, and, and that's it. Uh, I've heard the um, behavioral issues. Uh, I've heard a couple of things like that. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Can be straightened out in the league once they get in. All of that, I believe. I'm a firm believer in like guys like getting their act together when they're in the league. So I mean, like, I I I see the fit in Tennessee of Terry. But go on. I mean, I see it, mass. Right, and you see, well, one they gambled on Isaiah Wilson. Obviously, that didn't pan out. But but you surround yourself with guys who have similar mindsets, athletes who are. The creme de la creme, the most competitive people in the world. And you think Terry's not going to get in that locker room, see what's going on, or any any player with maybe behavioral issues. Like, hey, man, either get it together or you're gone. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, money talks. Well, and, and Vrabel, Vrabel, I think, is probably one of the best coaches in football at, like, getting guys to just buy in. Right. You know, him and – I. it pains me to say this, but Matt Nagy – as a, as a Bears fan, it pains me to say it, but they're so good at getting guys to buy into whatever's going on. Yeah. Whether that's just the connections they can build with the player, like say what you want about Matt Nagy, the play caller, but Matt Nagy, the, the coach, the, the, the bringer of men, like he brings guys together. And, you know, even if he does have some, exactly, you know, they just have elite levels of leadership and they just know what their team needs to, to kind yeah. of build together. But you and I were tweeting back and forth about it the other night that I think I can't picture a better wide receiver to go to that Titans offense than Terry. Exactly. And, I, and that's why, like, it drives me nuts when I see an analyst who is either missing something. I don't know what they're missing because if you watch Titans, if you know what they're doing, it fits. It makes so much sense. And who was the other guy you were talking about? Uh, Kadarius Tony, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So let me get started on Kadarius. I'm not on that one. I don't get it. Um, I me think neither. he's a product of Kyle Pitts and um, probably Trayvon Grimes as well. I mean, it makes sense. You've got a guy in the slot who's lining up um, on the opposite side of uh, Kyle Pitts, most likely. I don't know how how many routes they ran from what positions, but right. it makes sense. You're going to benefit from a, if a linebacker is shifting over and you have a corner and they're doubling Kyle Pitts, you're going to benefit from that. As far as, like, Yak, I mean, he was a decent Yak guy, but 
I just don't see somebody that size with his skill set painting out in the NFL unless he goes to the perfect fit, which is obviously the Chiefs. Everyone loves to throw that around. Right. Um, but, I mean, first first round capital? I, I don't get no. it. I really don't. It blows my mind. I think there's so many receivers who are more talented who have what it takes to be at the NFL. You know, obviously, I'm not getting paid to make those evaluations. Right. But I just don't see it. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I see, I've seen Tony mocked to the Bears so many times that I wanted to throw up. Like it just, I like you're saying, like he's 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 not a big guy. He's he's fast, but he's not like one of the like elite speed guys. He's not eating. I don't. I don't he's like a, he's like a glorified Anthony Miller. Call out what you want, Jake. Like the guy gets. Yeah, open, I mean that's really agree. Open and he can make a play, but he doesn't like portray like a like a guy like coming out like mike evans or like uh what's another guy that like drops in like the 15 to 20 range i don't know like brandon Ayuk, something like that like you know what i mean he's more like you know if if i was more of a gm which i'm not but like i I would actually draft a guy like tony in the second round you know i mean there's a lot of other wide receivers like me personally i like rochelle bateman a lot that season that Minnesota had a year before last year was just phenomenal with Tanner Morgan and PJ Fleck and all that stuff. So, I mean, like, I don't know how that works, but like, you know, that Minnesota offense just came toe to toe. I mean, that's, that's why I'm drafting Rashad Bateman over all these guys for most of the parts. Yeah. Bateman, he is, you know, it really upset me seeing him come in so small. So, so I talk about trying to leave out biases and be as objective as possible. Right. That's kind of my goal, but I think you have to be, or realist at the same time. Right. With Bateman, so here's the way I, I generally am doing my rankings. So I do the analytics side, and I say, okay, hi- historically, this means this production. Right. Cool. Doesn't always mean that, sure. But when you look at the top guys, um, I think the average size, uh, and I think you can quote me on this, the average size of the top 20 receivers the past two years, right, um, that equates to, I think it was 30, 25 to 30 receivers because you mm-hmm. got guys in there twice. Um, average size was 6'1", 205 pounds. So I see that and I think, okay, so you've got these different thresholds that make elite receivers, but within the top guys, what are we looking for? So I'm looking for size. I want right. guys that meet mm-hmm. that threshold. So when I see Bateman come in 20 pounds and two inches under what he's supposed to be, I'm like, well, that's a huge bummer. Because I can't have him as my wide receiver one now. I don't see that alpha size that I want right. in a guy that I'm picking that early. For sure. Yeah, so for me, I maybe it's because I already had him at wide receiver two. I already thought Chase was going to be a little bit better. Maybe right. that's why his height and weight thing doesn't affect me as much. But I'm also coming from the perspective of like, I never believe listed height and weight. Um, yeah, you shouldn't apparently. It's so like, even back when I like when I was in high school, like, we had players on our team that were listed like our entire offensive line was listed as six feet something and and 300 pounds. Our guys were not that big. Like there's just, we don't have, you know, division one size guys coming from a small high school. Like every single person, even on my baseball roster, I was listed like two inches taller. I was listed at like six foot. I'm five ten, and I'm not even, I'm barely five ten at that. So it's like, maybe I just come from a side where I already don't really believe the size thing as much, but you know, there's definitely guys that I think, you know, size does have to be considered like part of it as well. Like more coming in at five, seven is not great just because historically, I think the only wide receiver in NFL history with more than I think it was like 3000 yards at five, eight or shorter is Cole Beasley. Like he's the only one, obviously you're looking at a guy with a different level of talent and a different level of physicality and more versus Cole Beasley. But like, I think that's something that you definitely like, it does matter to an extent, but you know, I so can. Well, sorry to cut you off. That's, that's where. That's why I have my tiers, and then within tiers, I'm moving people. So it makes me when I see a guy like Devonte Smith, Rondell Moore, these guys are undersized. Um, and so, am I comfortable spending a first round pick? Don't you want your first round pick to be a, a sure thing, or almost yeah. as right. possibly of a sure thing as possible? Right. Well, that that's just like those red flags. Mm-hmm. They, they mean a lot, but at the same time, you're looking at that dominator rating at Alabama, how productive somebody is. So there's anomalies. So it's like that's why Terrace is, at, is, is probably going to move up. I think he's going to be wide receiver three for me now. Um, and then obviously Jamar Chase, he, he fits everything. You know, there's no red mm-hmm. flags. 
I'm trying in the first round, I'm trying to get no red flags. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's definitely my approach to the draft as well. Like, so AJ and I started a, a dynasty league this year and I'm picking, I've traded mm-hmm. picks around in the first round, like crazy. I think at this point I'm picking four and six. Um, and it's like, like I'll, even though AJ and I are in the same league and I'm sure that most of our league mates will watch it. Like I can tell everybody who I'm targeting with my two picks right now. I'm leaning either we are tied in premium as well. So I'm kind of leaning pits at four and chase at six, assuming I think the, I'm pretty confident just based off of conversations that the first three guys off the board are going to be quarterbacks. Um, I, I already know my brother has the one he's taking T law. Uh, the guy has the two. I know he's between Wilson and fields. And then, so the guy in front of him there, he's going to be looking at either the Wilson or um, he's looking at Trey Lance. And I know the guy picking at five needs quarterback help as well. Whereas I'm, I don't want to say I'm set at the quarterback position, but I have Mahomes, Tannehill, Hurts, Jimmy G and Mariota as just some extra depth if I need it. So I'm not looking at necessarily the quarterback positions, but I'm doing the exact same thing there. Like I could send a flyer and go for a, a Devonte Smith. I could go for, you know, some of the other guys that are out there. I could go with Najee, but just, I have, again, I'm trying to minimize the concerns that I have. And Kyle Pitts, like he kind of transcends every other tight end in the class. So I'm super comfortable picking him there. And you can, you know, there's all of the arguments that come out where it takes a couple of years for tight ends to perform, or, you know, we've seen physical tight ends with high draft capital fall before, um, you know, Evan Ingram comes to mind as a more recent guy who was taken, you know, very, yeah. you know, pretty high up in the draft and he just hasn't panned out the, the same way. But, you know, a guy like Pitts, it's he's the epitome of what you're describing, where you're trying to you're almost minimizing that risk to an extent. Exactly. Because worst case scenario, a team doesn't play him at tight end. They play him as a wide receiver and he's still got he, he'd be wide receiver one if he was listed as a true wide receiver. Yep. So it's, it's funny you bring that up. So every time I make this model in my head, I have an idea of what I want it to look like. Right. I'm trying to say, I hope that this data computes these results. If it doesn't, I'm thinking, okay, heck, or hell, did I, did I mess this up? I forget I can cuss on here. Uh, did I mess this up? Uh, and if I did, you know, I'm like, okay, let me go back. Let me do – so I don't know if you guys know anything about regression analysis. There's linear relationships. Mm-hmm. And there's quad, mm-hmm. uh, quadrilinear. Sorry, curvilinear. Yeah. And curvilinear means, like, is there a sweet spot, right? So, like, say instead of going all the way up as a – as a stat goes up, is there a sweet spot where it starts to shift? Mm-hmm. So we'll use like BMI, for example. So BMI says, okay, so maybe this is not real. This is, I'm giving a hypothetical. So BMI at 26, right? Does not equate to a lot of fantasy points. BMI at 30, that's a sweet spot. That means a lot of fantasy points. And then BMI at 35 means low. So there's like mm-hmm. a sweet spot, right? So I had to go in and add all these realizing that I'm like, hey, I might've messed something up. Anyways, I figured that out with tight ends, and when I did that with tight ends, it um, clear far and above Kyle Pitts, not even close. Like yeah. I haven't released those rankings yet. I'm working on. I don't want to finish quarterbacks, but um, but yeah, you're. I think I think that's the safest bet you can make, and, and especially with you said tight end premium. Yeah, yeah, I haven't played in one of those, but I understand that it, it it's obviously beneficial to have a better tight end. Yeah. So we've got what four elite tight ends, arguably. Andrews, Kelsey, uh, Waller, and Kittle. Mm-hmm. So ideally, we're hoping that he's the fifth. Yeah. I, I don't see how that's – I mean, like, if I look at the points projected, the next tight end, Brevin Jordan, is 42 points lower. Like, tier of his own. Yeah. And, and the data says the exact same thing. So that's one of those guys that's like, that's about as safe as a bet as, as I think you can get. Well, and I like Brevin Jordan a lot. Like, before I really delved – into Kyle Pitts's tape like I had Brevin as my tight end one until I like really did a deep dive on Pitts like I until I started really looking at him I thought it was more of just like a the only guy in the offense he's playing you know he's running short routes and he's just he's you know getting some yak there and you know teams are playing soft coverage it wasn't until I really watched the tape that I was like holy shit like we're watching like a potential generational tight end there and I would, you know, you say there's four elite tight ends. I probably lean towards the three elite sure. tight ends. Um, so, team, right? yeah, yeah. So we, uh, AJ and I talked about it when I did my ranking. So I basically had like, there's tier one, which is your Waller, Kels and Kittle in that order for me. Um, and then you have your tier three, which is like Andrews, Hawkinson, Fant. And those guys are pretty interchangeable. And then like the tight ends from there on out, like seven through 20 
it's a crap shoot. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. it's who's going to, who's going to catch a touchdown that week. Like until one of them like takes a big step, like we've got a ton of guys who are super physically talented guys. You have Mike Kosicki who has like 99, 99th percentile. Smith is too, I think. Yeah. Like you have guys with elite athleticism across the board. Like they just, they haven't, you know, hit in their offense yet. And a guy like Brevin Jordan, like he doesn't meet some of those same thresholds for athleticism. He's going to be very landing spot dependent. I think. Mm-hmm. I would really love to see him in the Saints offense. I think he'd fit really well there. We'll do that um, to Adam Troutman. We're not ready for that. I, I have zero Troutman shares, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did. I did almost pick him up um, in one league, but uh, I got outbid on the Fab there, so that wasn't so great. He's just one of my wild cards. I've got like five at tight end. I'm just hoping one of them goes. That's how I was. I was so I have like um, I have Janu, which I got from who I got from AJ in a trade. I've got Fant. But I've also got like Jared Cook, like just praying he still has some relevance. I took him in like the 27th round of our yeah. draft, like super late. Mo well, Ali Cox. Is he still around? Hmm? I thought he got released. Is he still around? He's with the Chargers now, I believe. Really? Okay. Yeah. Let me really use him somewhere, somehow. They're going to yeah, need a lesson for Justin Herbert, dude. You're going to see some like late season reps that Jared Cook's going to get. They just lost Hunter Henry. I don't know what their plan is at tight end. Oh, that's my other one. We got, we got we got about six wild cards there. Parham's one of them. Yep. I par again, super physical guy. He's what six eight. Huge. Like, yeah. So he's a big dude. So again, you know, I I have shares of him in a few leagues. So I won't, you know, I won't wish too much ill will upon him. But you know, uh, Jared Cook, and then I've got Mo Ali Cox as a flyer too. I think yeah. both Doyle and quarterback. Kirk, he could be nice. Yeah. You know, even last year, like I picked him up super early in the season in a couple redraft leagues and just like had to plug and play him in the lineup because I faded tight end way too much and was just like, let's figure out what's going to happen. And he had a couple, you know, pretty decent games last year. Again, it's, you know, once you get past those elite tight ends, you're like, who falls into the end zone with the ball this week? Um, But, you know, it's again, like tight end is one of those like super risky positions um, where, you know, you can go. I've always been an advocate, especially in redraft of waiting on tight end a little bit. Um, whereas like now that I'm doing more dynasty stuff and doing more, you know, tight end premiums, more unique scoring, you know, tiered PPR, stuff like that, you're seeing like a need for, to go tight end a little bit earlier. And just, there's so many guys that I don't feel comfortable with, but if I was doing like a full startup with tight ends, like I would be comfortable taking pits in like the fifth or sixth round. It's so tough. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, he's so highly ranked and touted and the expectations are through the roof, but it's like, I mean, like I said, even the analysis I did, he blew everybody away. And that's on historical data, right? That We're looking at everything that the successful tight ends are doing now. Kyle Pitts has that. And that's not, that's not even athleticism. That's like literal like BOA or uh, sorry, breakout mm-hmm. age for anybody who doesn't know what that is. Breakout age, dominator rating. Uh, I think weight mattered 40 time. Like, mm-hmm. It's not just athleticism that that correlates, which is awesome. So, like, have you seen the relative athletic scores? I don't know who does yeah. that. Yeah, those are really cool. And that's like good. You were talking earlier about like some of these guys who don't get opportunities. Mm-hmm. The first person who comes to mind is Tyree Kill, right? Right. I think his college career he had like sixty catches, something silly. But his RAS score is through the roof. So, I mean, I guess that's one of those ways like you can pick up a player who maybe is like flying under the radar, but generally speaking athleticism doesn't correlate so when you're talking about mike jacecki like it happens all the time you have these guys who are ridiculously athletic that doesn't mean more fantasy points unfortunately doesn't mean they can run routes it doesn't mean they can you know shed coverage if they have like a the way i always look at it too is like you have guys who can shed coverage and then you got have guys who can shed coverage like you have guys who guys can get up on get physical with them get handsy and check them and they they still are going to get open you know they're going to find a way to get yeah. open Devonte adams is a perfect example of that like basically no matter what you do he's going to get open so you need to pray that you're covering the other guys well if if rogers comes off his first read or you need to get to rogers before he can get the ball out of his hand Yep. Like there, there's guys like that, but it's um at Math Bomb on Twitter is who does the RAS scores. Um, but I wanted to Great talk up. What was that? Great account. I'm just giving him some love because I, I love them and I love uh, Player Profiler. Those are yeah. two amazing systems or I guess databases that I don't think get enough love because I've built everything off of those two and it is incredible work they're doing. 
Yeah, but so I wanted to talk about like your running back rankings as well because that's the other rankings that you okay. have published. Yeah, let's go ahead. Oh, they've changed. That's what I like to see. Um, but like, so I, there's a there's guys that are out there, and the you know Math Bombs account is actually what kind of brought me to a realization that I've heard this guy's name a ton, but he's not on any. He's not in my top fifteen even. But like a guy like Jamar Jefferson. He scored like a 3.3 RAS out of a possible 10. It's like in the, it's like the bottom, almost the bottom third of rankings all time. And I don't have him anywhere near my list. And that's a lot of what I saw on film. Like, I just didn't see anything that really was like, I can see this guy being like, there's, you know, some guys like you can see glimpses of really good on tape, like Michael Carter, Chubba Hubbard, like uh, even Rahamandre Stevenson. Like you can see things on tape that you go, okay. If they get uh, if they get on the right team, if they get in the right scheme, if they can pick up the holes as long as they can hold on to the ball, like these guys are going to be like they have the opportunity to be, to be productive. Right. But a guy like Jefferson, like I don't see that on the tape. Like I see a guy who just doesn't understand the scheme that he's working in. He doesn't have the process, like the mental processing to right. pick up what's going on in front of him. But when he gets open, like when he gets it, you know, when he gets like a big hole, he still is going to be a productive running back, but what running back isn't going to be a productive? You could right. put me in the NFL offense. I run like a, probably like a four, nine 40 right now. And if I get a big enough hole, I'm going to go for 15 yards. Like right. it's, you know, and like looking at my rankings, like my rankings are definitely against the grain. For, I would say um, my top three guys are pretty much everybody's top three guys. Yep. I have Etienne at one. Okay. That's a, there's something, you know, I think if he came out in last year's class, I don't think people would be knocking him as much as they did just a little bit of a down year this year, but I've got him, I've got Najee, Javante. And then after that is where it gets a little bit all over the place. It does align a little bit with not just you. Everyone's all over the place with like three through 11. Yeah. And, and again, it's one of those things where it's like oh, past those, past those three guys, you don't have a true, like you don't have a, you have guys who have breakout ability, but you don't have a guy who is like, I can see, I can hundred percent see this guy shining in an NFL well, offense. Basically so, hit or miss from there. I mean, after yes. those three guys that you listed, it's basically hit or miss from there. Like, can this guy actually lead my offense in, in the backfield? That That's what you're questioning. Mm -hmm. after those mm -hmm. three so, so the beautiful thing is exactly what we've been talking about. So, I my data aligns exactly with that. It's awesome because we've got those three guys in a tier of their own. The next guy is expected to produce 20 less fantasy points. And so like when I see this, I'm like, damn, this is a good fit. This is this is exactly what we're looking for. And so I adjusted those rankings. I found I found a better uh formula, I guess is the best way to describe that. So like my rankings shifted and I was so high on Jarrett Patterson, but unfortunately I had to fall. And that's just because mm -hmm. the data is telling me he doesn't have what it takes. And it was mainly his, uh, his burst score, which indicates explosiveness. Right. So even though he's fast, he's not explosive. Right. Well, unless he had just a terrible day at the, um, at the draft, but even so I can't imagine that would be drastically different than a good day, you know? Right. Uh, so and not draft. he also, and he also like, I like, I, I'm not, I'm not the guy that, that really like knocks on division play and stuff. Yep. I mean, like, you know, like, like I don't really get like, you know, how, how he's going to put up the numbers that he did in college in the NFL. You're not going to put up no 300 no. yards yeah. in a 600, uh, not, not sorry, not 600, six TD game. So, yeah. um, I mean, like, I don't see how he fits at the, at the next level, hopefully mm -hmm. as a gadget guy, maybe, but like, there's a lot of things that he needs to work yeah. on. But like, you know, another yeah. thing that I was looking at was Kenny Gainwell. That like after mm -hmm. those three guys, even he has a big drop off. Mm -hmm. Um, after those three guys, but that's like the so, next guy that like. Yeah, I think I have Michael Carter there, but those guys are literally point one away from each other. Interchange. Yeah. yeah, I have I have Gainwell at four. I have Carter at five. Patterson at six. Um, and then I have Sermon, Stevenson, Hubbard, Hill. But going, so, but going back to Gainwell, do, do you see anything like any traits? Um, of him from like um, Antonio Gibson from like a year ago. I don't. Antonio Antonio Gibson is electric, dude. Like that guy yeah. is very very good. I don't know if Kenny Gainwell can repeat that success that he had at Memphis. I think outside of the top three, I think the guy who has the best chance, um, and this is against the grain. It's one of my favorite players, Trey Sermon. Mm -hmm. I think I don't yeah. know what happened at Ohio State. It doesn't look like the blocking got any better. It looks like he just figured it out. Maybe it's coaching, uh, but. 
but the intensity that he ran with the heart, the passion, it seemed so much different. He seemed physical as if he wanted it. Right. And I think that makes a big difference when a player, you know, is out there to play and really wants it, which you kind of see, like, uh, I guess a good example would be Leonard Fournette during the playoffs. Right. You know, yeah. All year, but all of a sudden something switches and he's a physical monster where he wants it. And so that's kind of what I saw um, with Trey Sermon. So I think opportunity, I think he's my new value pick for running backs. It was Jared. I was a, I'm telling you, I was the truth there. I, I wanted it to happen. I, I I just can't ignore data that suggests he's like. I think he's like got him as like 15. It was burst in size. And so traditionally, uh, I talked about looking at the top 20. Uh, I also did that for running backs. I said, okay, we've got a formula. It predicts guys that are going to be successful. But within tiers, how do I determine who's going to be the most successful there? Mm-hmm. And it was it was size. The guys who were productive that were under 205 in the NFL all had one thing in common. They were all pass-catching backs. You know, you got Niam Hines that made that list. It was uh, Austin Eckler. Lindsey. Uh, Lindsey was on there. Um, I guess JD this. McKissick. Who was the last one? J.D. McKissick, and there's one more. Oh, and then James White, depending on which weight you look at, right? Right. So you have your prime example of elite backs that if they're undersized, they better be able to catch the damn ball. And if they yeah. can't, well, we don't even know if Jared can catch the ball. He's he right. some, some videos of him running around and catching the ball. Sorry, Jared, that doesn't prove a whole lot, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, and I'm telling you, I wanted it to happen. That was my guy. What before I got into the analytical side, I watched the film. I thought this guy's insane. Maybe like, I'm I, gonna, I, I might, but, I might take a flyer him on the fifth or sixth round, but like yeah, I don't think anyone yeah. any team is going to touch him until day three. Like I mean, yeah, he's, he's a day three pick. Yeah, I, I 100% was going to. Um, I was 100% going to grab him with like my third round pick and fantasy and not going to happen now. I'm still going to do it. I'm still believing. I think, uh, but but he's he's the example. What was I that? think Trey Sermon might go higher than people are expecting. I yeah. mean, if you could if you could do all of that stuff behind a subpar OL, I mean Kevin Wilson I think is a run game coordinator and offensive line coach and a running back coach or whatever's going on over there at Ohio State. Like he's he's doing he he did it well with Master T and um and um, Trey Sermon. I think Trey Sermon could be like the fourth or fifth running back off the board. If, yeah, if I, I really like Trey. I think he's the uh, I think he's the guy who he finally got the opportunity this year, but he got COVID. What six, seven yeah. games, something like yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah. he looks damn good. And in my opinion, uh, I think it was his yards per carry that bumped him up uh, pretty high in my rankings. But um, yeah, he's at like seven and a half yards a carry. Okay. Yeah, and I mean it's not like. Ohio State's playing scrubs. Like, they play some good teams. Yeah, they play right. some great teams. And if you look at them, it's not like they're gaping holes like for Jarrett Patterson and Chuba. Uh, is it Hubbard or is it Chuba or what is it? Chuba? I say Chuba. I, I don't know. I think it's I, I'm Chuba, be honest. but I, I call it Chuba too. Chuba, Hubbard, whatever. They got These guys have massive holes. And I got to I gotta ignore that because any running back that has that opportunity, we don't know um, that they're not going to do the exact same thing, right? So say – whatever guy at whatever school has that same hole and they're fast. That's all it takes a lot of the time being able to right. just get through it. So that's why I'm not high on Chuba or Chuba. A lot of people are. I'm not. Yeah. I, I see a lot of people that are like really defending him. And for me, it's just, I just don't see it again. It's, it's one of those things where like you could put him in an offense and if you use him in like a justice Hill role um, or a um, not Justice Hill. Uh, who's the other guy? There? Gus Edwards. Like if you use him in a role where he's more of a spellback, like, and you're specifically creating running lanes for him, like he's going to pick up those yards. Like those, yeah. that that's not going to go away. But again, he's you know another guy that I I don't think at least on the film that I watched that we saw him catch a ton of passes. And I think that's probably the biggest knock, you know, with a lot of these guys is we haven't seen a lot of these guys used in more of those creative roles. We're not seeing guys used like in the NFL, we see guys that are used like Eckler and Kamara who legitimately could break double digit targets just about every week. Yeah. Like we see that a ton in the NFL. We don't see that as much in college. The college offense just doesn't use that in the same way. So with a lot of these guys, we're predicting how they're going to catch passes moving forward. Like, you know, we've seen it. We've seen Etienne catch passes. We've seen Najee sure. catch a little more passes recently, but you can tell like the skills there for those two guys like, and it's uh, like, there's too much projection. Like this might be, this is one of the worst running back classes that comes to memory for me, like over the past few years, maybe it's because the 2020 class is so fresh in my head. And there were so yeah. many, there's legitimately like you have, you know, acres, Gibson, mm-hmm. 
uh, Dobbins, Swift. 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 Like you have multiple guys who could legitimately like fight to be in, in that that top tier, that that white or running back one tier. And like I just don't feel that there's that much. Like I, so many guys feel so landing spot dependent to me in the yeah. running back position, and that's just something. That's why I'm like I could realistically see myself going through our rookie draft here uh, after the NFL draft and not picking a single running back. Hundred percent, and that's so. I keep preaching it, and it's something that um, I'm going to reiterate. For anybody listening who actually cares, don't overdraft running backs. I don't care if you need them. It's, in Dynasty, you have to create value. Unless you need one player and you and that's what you you're, – you're one player away from a championship, sorry. And even then, I'm a value guy, so I'm taking mm-hmm. whatever pick I believe is going to be the most value because you can trade that player. You can get right. find the guy in your league that needs that – that one position. So say you've got three quarterbacks. So Jake, I'm not sure earlier you were talking about, I'm not sure I'm not taking a quarterback at fourth. Oh if yeah. That's still in the mix. Yeah, exactly. But Kyle Pitts, I think is a great pick there, but if six, somebody falls, I think six, you really got to, I don't know. It's tough, but the point is you got to look at value. And this year, I don't care. I don't care what pick you have. If it's outside of those top three running backs, you're gambling. So why yeah. not take one of the, great receivers in one of the arguably deepest wide receiver classes of all time outside of last year, which is incredible two years back to back. I'm taking value. I'm a running back guy. I have right now I'm only in like one serious dynasty league. I have Eckler and miles Hart, not miles Hart. That's my buddy, <laughs> miles Sanders and uh, Leonard Fournette. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't like Fournette. Uh, I do as a player. I just don't know that I trust him. Right. So I need a running back. I'm set at receiver, but, but what am I going to do? I'm not drafting any running back unless maybe Trey Sermon falls, and I know I'm not getting the top three. So don't overdraft. That is the yeah. whole point of everything I'm saying. Don't overdraft a player because you have a need. Right. You got trade for somebody. And I think that's like the key lesson to take from all of this is like you can do all of these, you can do regression analysis, you can watch all the film, but when it comes to draft day, it's ultimately about the value. Like, so when we did our dynasty draft i could tell it was the first dynasty league for a lot of people and it was the first super flex league for a lot of people where there were three quarterbacks taken in the first round whereas any mock draft that i do um i'm in you know a couple different group chats on twitter and we do mock drafts all the time like the one that uh shout out the fantasy football buffalo over here who commented on the uh the uh, video earlier um, he, he posts mock drafts every week. And in a lot of those mock drafts, you can't get, you, there's nine quarterbacks off the board in the first 12 picks, like, because yeah. that's where the value is in Superflex. So in our league um, where AJ and I drafted, like there were some value plays that I just could not pass on. Like I, it got to the seventh round and Julio's still on the board. Like, yes, I know he's 31. I know he's coming off of a year where yeah. he had some injuries, but like the value of an elite wide receiver at se- in the seventh yeah. round even if I'm worried about him long-term, if he's putting up wide receiver one numbers again this year, I can sell him next off season for a first round pick. Whereas right now, if you're trying to sell him, you're looking, you know, mid, maybe early second is what you're getting out of it. But the, the value is what you need. Like if you can get a guy that should not be in the spot that he is, like if I'm doing, I'm doing a probably going to do probably like four or five different mock drafts later tonight. And if I see a guy, I will, reach in a sense for a guy if the value is there like what what i would consider reach like where i rank a guy i will reach over that position if the value supersedes that like i see Tannehill in these in super flex mock drafts like falling to the fifth round like i'm i'm every time if he's in my fourth or fifth round even even fourth round if Tannehill's on the board he's like an auto pick for me you're getting me fully boned up with all this titans talk i love titans got a ton of good players Dude, I I cannot – so part of the reason that I hate Twitter is because I was – so I love it and I hate it. I love my new account. My old account just pissed me off because I felt like I dealt with morons. I followed a bunch of people who were in the Titans community. I love to talk football, right? But they were so irrational. There was guys that when Tannehill came into the Titans and put up that season that took us to the literally the AFC Championship, right, there were still people – who wanted Mariota at the helm? Yeah, and it blew my fucking mind. I, that is like the trigger point. Like Mariota, when you said it earlier, I just cringe. Like I can't stand. Well, we've talked about this before too. Like 
You know, I have been watching the Titans are a team that I've always liked. Um, I don't know why. I just always kind of I love I love Tennessee. Um, my wife and I have visited there a few times. It's a great place. So maybe that's part of it. Um, but I've always liked the Titans. And as I was watching it, I'm watching Mariota and I'm like, he's fine. Like there's nothing about him that really like stands out. And maybe that was the Titans not helping him enough. But we've seen guys who aren't helped enough who succeed and put up right. great numbers in the NFL. Exactly. It's so I thought and watching Tannehill, if you go back and you watch like watch him with Miami, like it's very clear that Adam Gase's offense just limited what he could do. Like Tannehill coming out of college was a four or five runner. Yeah. Can you think of a run that he like a big run that he made when he was with Miami? Off the top of your head, no. Like but so many things that I just want to comment on. So I'm I'm gonna unload real quick. So I have an Adam Gase theory that one, obviously he's terrible, okay? But look at the guys that he had, and then look at their production when he was gone. You got Kenyon Drake, Ryan Tannehill, Devontae Parker, who all had their best years the year after he left. Right. Okay? And then the opposite. Now, I don't like to use this example because it's not great. But look at, uh, per se, Le'Veon Bell, right? Mm-hmm. At his best year ever, leaves, takes a year off. So I can't, it's hard to say there's correlation here. But – then had his worst career or, or career year ever. And I think he did better with the Chiefs maybe as far as um, yards per carry. I, I don't know. Um, but Adam Gaze, I can't stand. Then to the Mariota point, everyone loved to make every excuse. I was one of them. I, I did this, and that's why it's such a trigger. I did this for years, right? For four years, I'm like, all right, he's got it. They're putting the pieces around him. The same team that Mariota had, Ryan Tannehill took to the championship. So I, I can't accept that anymore. It wasn't the mm-hmm. – pieces around now i will say that i think part of it was him getting ruined right so it was clear he was hearing footsteps or seeing ghosts is what they say right so he got hit too many times there was a play um when he his last season with the titans i was i'll never forget this because it was my it was my i'm done it was my done i'm done (laughs) moment right i'm still on the couch watching it empty pocket nobody is close to him there's a guy literally five yards away running across Mariota panics, throws the ball. I'm not kidding. All three of us can make this. I know people say this all the time, right? This is a throw that every single one of us could make. I don't care how unathletic you are. Every one of us could make it. He missed it by five yards. And that was my, okay, I'm, I'm done. Like, like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done defending him. And people still do. It just blows my mind. And you talk about if a guy is an elite player, right, he's going to make the plays. Yep. Deshaun Watson. What did he have last year? Nothing. He had nothing, right? Outside of Will Fuller for however many games, right? Yeah, 12 games or whatever it was. And he still had a, a, I want to say, top five fantasy year, right? Yeah. That's because he's an elite player, and elite players make plays. Mariota is not elite. I don't care what anybody says. I will argue that all day. Yeah. It's so – I think it, it really falls back on that too. Like as Bears fans, we I definitely get it. AJ definitely gets it. Like yeah, we have cool. people defending Trubisky till the right. day he, he's a Buffalo Bill now, and the guy and the, yeah. we still got people defending him. Like ultimately, right. he just wasn't cut out for being an NFL starter. Like it's just something that we learn, and it's okay to cut bait. Like right. I think that's the thing that it's it, this can be a lesson for like people watching watching the NFL and being fans of teams and fantasy owners, like regardless of the capital that you have in a player, it's okay to cut bait if it's not working. Oh my gosh, man. That is one of my favorite points that anybody ever makes. And you don't hear it enough when people like, whenever you have a player, okay. Say for example, you grab a guy off the waiver wire, right? James Robinson, James Robinson's value is what he's currently playing at. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or especially in dynasty long-term value. Right. So young productive player, so it doesn't matter what you pay. What you pay does not determine the values of a player. So James Robinson, I don't care if you draft him off or if you got him off waivers, you can't get him cheaper because of that. Right. And vice versa. When you pay last year, okay, two years ago, or sorry, last year we'll use Ertz. Before the season starts, if you bought Ertz and you paid a first-round draft pick, right? Yep. And guess, yeah, I, I sold him. Thank God. Hello. Uh, Lucky I you. I sold him. Uh, I got AJ Brown out of it, so I was very excited. Not oh yeah, yeah, not exactly. straight up. I had to add. But, I was gonna say, yeah, but um, but Ertz's value just because he got he traded AJ Brown 
does not mean that he's worth AJ Brown. And just because you paid for uh, paid a first does not mean that's what you're going to get. Sometimes you have to cut a loss. I'm going to use Titans because this is another great example. Isaiah, uh, not Simmons, Isaiah Wilson. Yeah, first round draft pick. What happened? Couldn't stay uh, healthy with. He was definitely healthy. Couldn't behave. Right. <laughs> Couldn't behave. So what do we do? We trade him for a seventh. Everyone's like, oh, Titans got burned. They paid a first and got a seventh. Sure, we paid a first. Cut a loss. Take what you can. Yep. Mm-hmm. Round draft pick turns out got cut from Miami the next day. Yeah. You take what you can. Value is value. Doesn't matter what you pay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I've, I have taken guys in the first or second rounds of drafts and moved them the same year because I could see right away that the value was declining. And it, it, whether you're a, an advocate for cutting losses like that or you're getting the value that you can before things go downhill, yeah. I will always talk about the the best trade that I ever made in in fantasy football. It was in the main dynasty league that I, the one that I really started with. It's, it's we're in our ninth year now, so it's it's been going for a while. I traded Todd Gurley after his 2018 season. Whoo! Good call. I have not made a better trade. I got two firsts, two seconds, two thirds, um, and I got two other. I can't remember. Like just two throwing guys. Um, and like that has been paying dividends ever since. And there, it's okay to cut what some people would consider an elite talent for that big of a haul. Like there's guy, there's nobody on my team that is untouchable. Right. You, it may take a tremendous offer like that to get him off of my roster. Right. But if somebody comes to me right now and says, "I'll give you two firsts, two seconds, and two thirds for pretty much any guy on my team," here you go. Let me what? use an example real quick. I just did that. I even put up a poll because I was curious to see what the community would say. And I was surprised at first. So DeAndre Hopkins, top three, top four receiver in the league, no doubt about it, right? Yep. But he's going into this year. I think he'll be either 28 or 29. Wide receiver cliffs at 31, 32. So arguably three or four more years of elite talent. Mm-hmm. They're going to add a receiver who's probably going to eat into his, his targets. I'm not saying he's not going to be elite. He's still going to be elite. However – the draft hall, or the, the the hall that I got was two first round draft picks in twenty twenty three, an elite running back class. So you need to know who's in what draft class, right? Yep. Then I got another three additional picks, two second rounds and a third round pick, third round this year, and another stacked wide receiver class where I know I'm going to be able to get some talent. That's why you look at value. No player should yep. ever be untouchable. I agree, hundred percent, Jake, hundred percent. Also, yep. quick question. Where or how do you guys feel about Deshaun Watson? So, go ahead. I, from a real life perspective, if the allegations are true, obviously it's despicable. Everything has, everything will be dealt with in the way that it's dealt with, whether it's through, through the NFL, through lawyers, through, you know, the, the police. Sure. From a, from a fantasy perspective. That's what I'm talking about specifically. I am trying to buy him off of every owner that I can. I so it, I was successful in one league. I have a standing offer in AJ's and mine league for him, and then in my other dynasty league, I was unsuccessful. But I got him for Jimmy G in a third. Okay, now that's different. <laughs> that's like different. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not overpaying you by robbed like, that person. Yes, I, I robbed him. <laughs> Highway if, robbery. If even if say the allegations are true, yep. say the NFL suspends him, they're not going to suspend him for more than a year. You lost it, the trash. I don't know, perfect. man. I don't know about that one. I, I think, but I think there's an appropriate price to pay, and I don't mm-hmm. think you're anywhere close to. Like, yeah, you didn't cross any threshold of like that's unacceptable. A third round pick, you don't know if that player is going to hit Jimmy Graham. He's he's done. So you didn't pay shit, and that's okay. That's different. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not overpaying by any means. I think his realistic value. Like I think owners, if you have enough desperate people in your in your dynasty leagues, like I think you yeah. can you can almost start a little bit of a bidding war with him. Because yeah. even though, so even say he gets suspended for two years, yeah. yeah say the NFL says you're you're done for two years. A team is going to give him a job. Yep. Two years from now, he will be 27. Yeah. Let me ask you. You don't. Okay. So say the allegations are true, and and he is convicted, right? You don't think the NFL is going to say, "Hey, dude, you're banned"? Like that is you cross too many lines. You know, he would have to be the example. He would like if they want to make him an example. I could see that happening, but even so, like 
And that's why the value that I'm putting on Deshaun Watson is it's not something where I'm like prepared for that to happen. So if I lose on that deal, I lose on that deal. Yeah. And but here's the thing, Jake. You're only you're, you're only losing Jimmy Garoppolo in the third round pick. To me, the value of Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not that good. Wait, I thought you said Jimmy Graham. Jimmy I Graham. Just, I just Jimmy said Garoppolo. Jimmy G, but okay. Garoppolo. Garoppolo, you get you, you okay. So yeah, yeah Garoppolo, me, Jimmy Garoppolo is not okay, that though. good. Yeah. Yeah, he's got well, especially with San Francisco trading up, like at best, he's a start, he's the starter for this year, and whoever they draft sits behind him for a year at best. Yeah. yeah. So, so like I'm gonna say I think you take what you, you can get, but I'm not taking Jimmy G in a third. Yeah. I, I think you gotta yeah, yeah. But I know there's better offers out there because in the league that I was unsuccessful, he went for uh, it was Sam Darnold, Tylen Wallace, or not Tylen Wallace, Tylen uh, Johnson, the guy down in uh, Tampa Bay, oh. and a and a yeah Tyler Johnson and a fourth round pick. Yes, that's acceptable, but you don't give yeah. up a player that's productive. That's that's really where I wanted mm -hmm. to go. Yeah. I think I think you sell him. If if I own Deshaun Watson, knowing what I know right now, I would probably take a second round pick. Yep. Anything less, I don't know that I'm doing. I don't. I think your rate of hitting on a third is going to be too low. But a second-round pick, that's probably the threshold in saying, I will take that because I'm the opposite. I don't think he's going to be in the league ever again. I think – I read an article that was really interesting. I, I wish I knew the guy's name so I could give him a shout-out. But he's a lawyer um, who is in the fantasy, uh, fantasy world over here. So he said this, and it really, like, stuck with me and struck home. He said – a lot of people are talking about allegations being untrue, right? Mm. Um, and people are doing this for clout. But think about what's associated with this. You're putting on the line or you're saying that you were sexually assaulted. I don't want – if I was sexually assaulted, I don't want everybody to know that one. Right. Two, um, there's so many cases and um, the rate at which these are um, yeah. claimed or, or uh, I guess – Assume I don't know what the word is, but the, the rate at which people are, are making these claims and them being false are super low. Yeah, and it's like this is not something that people are wanting to be associated with. So right. with that, and then I saw another person who they're filing a, a lawsuit, not through the guy that has like eighteen to twenty one somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. And she said this, and this really stuck home with me. She said initially I didn't want anything to do with this, but then I thought with him getting traded. I see what? this whole plethora of him seeing these opportunities of massage therapists in this new area. And mm -hmm. that's where I couldn't, that's where she said she couldn't uh, just sit back idly. And so when you think about that and you think about that thought process, maybe, maybe it's not real, but I, I just can't see that many people coming out right. with the accusation. And to me, this is the example that you say, Hey, you know, like we'll, we'll allow some drugs. People mess up as far as like, letting you come back to the league you know that happens all the time but if Alcohol. there's a string of sexual assaults you're done right that that's it and that's there's got to be a threshold somewhere and definitely if, if colin kaepernick was an example i'm sorry i see this as exactly a, that's that's where I, think. I think this is what's going to happen to deshaun watson and just yeah. in this case that like if if the league if the owners in the league because the the, the commissioner is just there as a placeholder for the owners right so if the owners just want to make an example and just remove Deshaun Watson, just like not even have the headache at all yeah. as, as a future of like trading him for like three, blah, 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 four, four first round picks, not even just to like have that news or media or just to like discredit him, they'll just get rid of him. Like, yeah. I don't think the owners care. And I certainly don't think Cal McNair thinks either. Yeah. So my big thing is like, is well, for one, this is going to be the true determination of where the NFL really draws the line yeah. Yeah. because – they've let people with domestic violence convictions and proof of actual like legitimate domestic violence come back to the NFL. So this is going to be like, is, is that where the, where the line is, is drawn in the sand by the NFL? And to, to make your point, I think is phenomenal, Jake. Like it definitely like there's too much for this not to be real. Like right. there's no way, even if every single person he settles with them. It doesn't actually go to the, to law enforcement. It ends up being, you know, financial settlements or whatever it ends up being. Even if that happens, the NFL definitely could make this the point where they're like, all right, these accusations, this is where we, we draw the line. Yep. You're, you're, if you're saying that this many people are coming out and somebody made a great point on Twitter, like, 
I don't know about you guys. I've gotten 10 or maybe 15 massages in my entire life. And I have always gone to the same person. Like yeah, somebody pointed out, is yeah, it I have a chiropractor in a, in a personal yeah. yeah. Thanks. Actually, yes, that is a great point. I did not think about that. Holy shit. Yeah. So somebody tweeted, they were like, why is he working with 50 some, like, cause there's the 20 some, like, I think it's up to like almost 23 now. Accu- like yeah. people have made accusations for him. And then yeah. his lawyer went out and found 18 people that said he was nothing but cordial. He was great with me. Why do you, why, why are you working with 40 some different yeah, massage well, therapists? Different like massage that alone. Exactly. That's weird, right? I believe so. Maybe some of them, like I get maybe if you're, if you're using someone while you're on the road, but even so, like, that's weird because the teams have that. They have personal trainers. They have these guys with them. Like, like everything in the contract that you sign with any team, your personal training, your equipment, your masseuses, everything is available on that team. But why are you taking your, I don't know if you're on a away game or like if you're just coming home from a game and you're in Houston and you're just going out to a a, uh, a masseuse's house because like this is what I think is happening that like say if you, say if there's a home game right he comes home and then he goes to these houses right it's not actually a retail space it's a house where this um, where this masseuse is located and something yeah. else happens on that property and like I guess Deshaun back then like i guess well what's been resurfacing with all these rumors like he's been paying off these people that's why they're staying quiet so yeah that's i mean that makes a lot of sense though and it's sad but but it does seem like it's a situation that's not fabricated it seems, it seems yeah but if yeah. he's on the road i guess like he would have to like go to a hotel or invite someone to his room or something like that but like it's just damning to me that like no no associate of the Houston Texans has seen this since 2015 or was well, sorry no 2017 since he's been drafted um yeah. like the owner doesn't know about this i mean like yeah, as bad as the houston texans um, organization is you still should know what your players are up to right and right. like i i pray for watson but like right now it's not looking good for him right now nope it sure doesn't i think this is where the line gets drawn you know yeah i think but, obviously these other situations are inappropriate. You shouldn't you shouldn't hit your wife or significant other. Um, and there's a video the magnitude of accusations and and, and 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 Jake, you won't believe it. There's a video of him at his house hanging out with Mia Khalifa. Yeah, I saw that. This is just like if 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 you keep on doing this, all of the people that you paid off, it doesn't matter what amount that you gave them, right. they're yeah, gonna yeah. come back and come bite you in the ass. It doesn't yeah. matter. Even if you paid them off, even if you signed an NDA, like yeah. I saw some crazy stat that was like 80% of NDAs out there aren't even enforceable because there's some mm-hmm. mistake or loophole that's made. Like it's it's, it's crazy right. how little that they actually like NDAs really do. Like it's just so weird that so many people are coming out with very similar stories. Right. And they're coming from, you know, some of them were just he reached out to them. Some of them were referrals from other you know, massage therapist. But again, like that tweet really got me thinking about it. I was like, why are you working with 40 different people? Like I barely trust my chiropractor as it is. Right. I, Cause I know that I'm, I'm, it's one mistake from by me while he's adjusting me to like mess me up. Yeah. And so like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very damning. It's very, it's a bad look for him. Even if it, even if everything goes away, like this is going to taint his reputation forever. And this, and that's where like, I have put a limit on what I will pay for him in, in dynasty. Like I'm not going to trade a Ryan Tan. Like, so in the one league, the guy asked for like Tannehill and a fourth back. And I was like, no, I'm not like, I'm Ryan Tannehill's value is pretty big. Like I I would assume like if he gets a wide receiver and he gets some OL help. And if the D if the defensive Tennessee improves somehow, um, they can they can march their way back into the AFC Championship game. I think with the Chiefs again. So, I mean, it's um, they have to hurry up though because the 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 Patriots yep. are reloading. So yeah, but it's so you know wrapping up the whole Deshaun Watson thing. Like I think if you're going if you're an owner, I hundred percent respect any decision that you make to sell him. Obviously, establish your value for him. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's worth a hold if nobody in your league is going to give you more than a fourth or a fifth round pick. Yep. Hold, hold them by all means. Um, so you were okay. So somebody commented that they were offered Watson for Burrow today. Yeah, no, that's just hell bad. no, hell no, no, hell no. 
Joe Burrow could come out today and say he tore his ACL again, and yep. I still wouldn't do it. Like, yep. Like the, there's again, it, it all comes down to value. Every player has a value. Every dynasty owner has a different value for every single player. There, I will take Antonio Gibson in the third round or the second round of fan of, of dynasty startups any day of the week. I know guys who want nothing to do with Antonio Gibson just because he's associated with that Washington offense. So ultimately every single conversation should come down to player value and whether that's draft value, trade value, you have to set your, your personal comfort level of what a, of a valuable pick is like to, to wrap things up. Like when it comes to like back to the original way that we started this conversation with the whole cutting bait thing, like I spent a first round pick in a dynasty league on Nikhil Harry. Ooh. We can all see that didn't work yeah. out at all. What's the deal with Nikhil Harry though? Why isn't he being able to like progress in this league? Like I thought he would be very, very good. It seems to me, um, I, I know uh, everyone loves the Patriots, but <laughs> it seems like a Patriots problem. They, I, I don't, I think their wide receiver coaches just might not be that talented. Look, look at the guys they brought in. Dementia. I think he could have dementia. Yeah. Right. I think he yeah. could because you got Jacoby Myers, you got Nikhil Harry, and you got another slot guy. I think you can put together like a subpar offense with the quarterback that you got in Jared Stidham and still be able to like finish up like seven and seven and ten this year. Right. I mean, you can put yep. together some wins. I mean, it's it's you're being coached by Bill Belichick after all. Yeah. Well. Uh, Belichick's out to prove something too, obviously. You see yeah, yeah. Every year. Well, yeah. Tom Brady. I, yeah, I love that. I love that whole argument of, of who makes who and why they were so successful. But yeah. I won't drag you. I won't drag us out. We're at an hour and six minutes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wrapping up this show, guys. I mean, we thank you guys for listening to the Fantasy Odds Cast. You know, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, Asia Decide4. You can follow my boy, Jake Perry. Uh, Jake Perry, thirty-four. You can follow our awesome guest that was um, cordial enough to take time out of the schedule to join us here at the Fantasy Oddscast um, at Dynasty underscore Jake. Man, I we appreciate you, man. Thanks for talking um, fantasy football, dynasty football, all that fun stuff with us, man. We yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. I, uh, I love talking about any of this stuff. So uh, thanks a lot for having me, and it's been a blast. Yeah, man, we'll definitely have to have you back on. These these episodes seem to always are, are they're much more fun when we have a, a third person with us and a guy like yourself who has such you know you are you can tell you know you you have Warren Moon jersey behind you and you're sitting on a Titans blanket like the the fandom with the NFL is there like it's it was super great to have you on phenomenal conversations we could probably sit here and shoot the shit for the next eight hours and right. not even blink an eye but we'll wrap up today, folks. As as AJ mentioned, thank you guys all for. For checking us out today huge thanks to jake for taking some time to join us make sure you give him a follow especially if your dynasty rookie drafts are coming up check out the work that the man puts in he's you know his content right now the just the the rankings you know interacting with him on twitter is phenomenal the man's also jacked out of his mind uh, if you need any personal training help maybe give him a uh, shoot him a dm real quick here but as a, as a final word thank you guys all for checking us out and stay home and stay comfy everyone